Monday, January 22nd. I'm Scott Seidenberg. And I'm AJ Hoffman. Championship Sunday is set. Wide right. Here comes the Vegas truth. This is straight out of Vegas. We are straight out of Vegas AM, your daily destination for sports conversation with a Vegas lean. And here's what you need to know to start your day. Buffalo Bills, wide right. Again? Wide right. Again? Again? I mean, look. This wide was... <laughs> right. I, does this, okay, how old were you in, I guess that was 91, right? 91? I, yeah, was, how... uh, I was like 11. Okay. Did that was that painful for you? Yeah, Scott yeah, Norwood missed. Yeah. Was this was, bad. Pa- was this as painful for you last night? It was pretty bad. Like I, I was, uh, I, I was watching the game with my wife, who annoyingly, um, she didn't do it too loudly last night, but she's because she's a fan of the Kelsey Brothers podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Jason, Jason was Kansas funny. City Chiefs fan. Jason was funny yeah. taking his shirt off and, and going crazy when Kelsey scored the first touchdown. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and she was, I was watching with her and I'm like sitting on the edge of my seat and I'm like, God, they're giving him too much time. They're giving him too much time. And then I just said, he fucking missed it. And like, I felt, I felt like this, this feeling like a sinking feeling, which it was a combination of knowing that I had just lost dollars but also that I had let myself once again be suckered into believing that maybe this time would be different, but it's never different, Scott. It's never different. And you know that as a Jets fan. It's yeah. never fucking different. It's never different. So the uh, Chiefs defeat the Bills 27-24 last night, advancing to their sixth straight AFC championship game. And, you know, as, as Tony Romo pointed out after the game, Patrick Mahomes, as a starting quarterback, has never not made the AFC championship game. Remember, his rookie year, he only played that one game at the end of the season, but he became the full-time starter in 2018. And since that season, they have gone to the AFC championship game every single year, this being the sixth in a row in his sixth year as a starting quarterback. Yeah, it's it's kind of like I mean the Astros seven straight AL ALCS like it's a uh, it when you we it's wild when these runs happen because it seems like almost improbable that it would, uh, but in a in a sport like the NFL like a sal a hard salary cap sport it is it's incredible, uh, although I mean listen we've we've seen the New, New England Patriots uh, have some some pretty good stretches where where they see if they weren't there every year it seemed like they were. Um, yeah, it's this is an extraordinary run, and in fact, as as I look at it right here, the you you have to go back. The last time there wasn't an AFC championship that didn't fe- or there was an AFC championship that didn't fe- feature either Kansas City or New England, you have to go back to 2010 Steelers Jets. Wow. 14 straight years now <laughs> where it's either New England or Kansas City or both or both in, in the AFC championship <laughs> game yeah i mean it's it's unbelievable that those two teams i mean have have dominated 
for so long, but that, that's where we're at, man. This is a, it, it's, you build that you start to build a championship pedigree and it's, it's so hard to take that away from teams. Like the, the teams that it, it feels like anyway, the teams that have that continue to hold on to it. And until you are a team that can get over that hump, it feels like this impossible prize. And right now it's like guys like Josh Allen and Joe Burrow, they're like reaching up, trying to, trying to get a Super Bowl trophy uh, Lamar Jackson, I suppose, as well. And uh, until someone pries it from Patrick Mahomes' cold, dead hands, it, I mean, it, that, that's it's going to be tough. I mean, this because this is a, a championship level organization all the way through. Well, it's going to be the first AFC Championship game on the road for Patrick Mahomes and these yep. Chiefs. And last night was their first first playoff game on the road, and we thought that that was going to be the great equalizer that the Bills at home with that crowd were going to be the difference as to why they would finally get over this Chiefs hunt, a hump. And for the most part, you know what? I thought the Bills outplayed Kansas City last night, AJ. I really did. Um, a couple of unfortunate plays, uh, some drops that maybe could have changed the game, some calls. It seems like there's always calls when the Kansas City Chiefs are involved. Yeah. Um, but, you know, one that went Well, not Bills. just officiating calls, but, like, uh, it's some play calling at the yes, end, too, probably yes, set the Bills yes. back, so... And, and you know what? So, and, but but as much as, like, you know, Bills fans might be upset, like, you know, it went their way as well. The fumble out of the end zone that gave the Bills the ball on the 20, you know? Yep. It, like, so the ball bounced their way as well. But at the end of the game there, I understand the, the mentality of grinding down the clock to make sure that you either tie the game with very little time left or you take the lead with very little time left. So I understand letting the clock run out. I understand taking your time. I understand running the football. But part of me, and maybe this is just the the, the competitor in me, I, I don't know what it is, but part of me says, I can't be thinking about what's going to happen after I score. I have to score. And so I don't want to change my game plan. I don't want to change my offensive script just because I want to run the football to keep the clock running or I don't want to go no huddle or hurry up because I want to drain the clock. I want to do what's been working for me and what's been most successful, which is letting Josh Allen cook and and, and letting this team roll down the field and score a touchdown. I thought that maybe they were worried too much about how much time was left on the clock and taking as much time as they could as opposed to focusing all their energy on scoring a touchdown. See, I think I I think that that was what they were doing until they stopped doing it. And at some point Josh Allen turned back into just what like that that competitive side of Josh Allen took over after the 2 minute warning those first two plays the the play where he he tried to take an end zone shot and he had digs crossing underneath that would have been a first down mm-hmm. if you take that first down if you take the easy throw there and and I get what you're saying like you want to score but the it sometimes the goal just has to be get a first down yeah. you know you get you get a first down you run some clock and then you you get another first down and if you get it on the first play awesome but if you don't you know you you run some more clock and then you get it the next play. I mean, to Josh Allen's credit, and, he had he had the guy wide open in the end zone. He he, you know, he either it, got the, the throw was rushed a little bit. I know Romo was saying yeah. that Romo was saying Chris I, Jones hit him. He didn't look like he hit him. It was just it was no. A I think it was an throw. off throw. Yeah. Um, but he could have taken the first down there, and if he gets that first down, 
the high likelihood is that the Chiefs never touch the ball again unless there's overtime. Mm-hmm. But he he takes the home run shot, they miss. And then the next play, it's like the same thing. There were there were crossing patterns underneath that he looked past and ran to the sideline and tried to take a deep shot and it didn't work. And it just put him in a bad spot. Like you you needed to I mean, even if you if you didn't take the the first down on that uh the the long pass mm-hmm. like you could you should have set it up where you're in you know third and three something like that do something it, it just it felt like josh started hunting for the home run and it, it was it came at a time where it wasn't time to hit a home run it was time to hit a double mm-hmm. and get the next man up and um whether that I, like my thought initially was like oh what terrible play calling but i really think that that was josh allen like that was his decision and um it, that's kind of the frustrating thing about Josh Allen is I don't know how smart he is as a quarterback. Like it feels like there's some, sometimes like the, the alpha in him takes over and just says, you know, I'm, I'm thinking with my dick here or something, you know, it's mm-hmm. like, I'm, I'm going for it. And he's like that kind of dude. And uh, it, this was a time where I think that happened and it cost him. So um there's I get what you're saying about go score but I also think like we've seen this story before we saw it in Arrowhead a couple of years ago in the AFC championship game like it's sometimes it's it's better to get a first down and and take two more minutes off the clock um and that's just a, a mentality they, they kind of went away from it and the truth is Kansas City did a good job in the second half of, of stifling the run the Bills were running the ball really well in the first half, and KC said, "Enough, we're not going to let you do this to us." It, the first half looked like, I, well, like kind of what I said before the game. I said, "I think the Bills can bully them, like like they did to Dallas. I think they can just hammer them with the run and and beat them that way." And for a half, it looked like they were going to. And again, credit to uh to Kansas City staff, and and at halftime made some adjustments, and they came out and they said, "No more of that." And it took a little too long for Josh to take his shots, and the 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 shot that is like going to haunt me is the, uh, the deep shot to digs. Oh, right through that, his hands, right through his hands. I mean, it hit him in the hands. Like mm-hmm. you, you, you have to catch that ball. And if you catch that ball, everything changes. And, um, it, it, it was, listen, I, I'm not here to make excuses. The bills, you know, they, they looked like shit at different points this season. They, this game, they were on the field with a good team and, uh, they were, they were, they were a little, little bit less of a team, uh, in this one. So yep. kudos to the chiefs, but I mean, everybody will talk about that kick, but I think there were a lot of decisions that led up to that kick that, that will, will kind of be looked over because it's easy to say the guy missed a kick, which the guy did miss a freaking kick, but uh, yeah, you know. but I, I think you can, you can go back to the first drive. The first drive was an incredible drive and they get in the red zone and they run a stupid play on on second down which puts them in a third and long situation and then you know they settle for a field goal on that first drive like there's you know you could have scored a touchdown in that opening drive and completely taken the air right out of the the i mean they walked down the field that drive and then stalled easy easy down the field and i think the chiefs carried some momentum after holding them to only three so you know that was like a a successful drive and then you know uh, the, the fake punt whether that was, I, I don't get it. Whether it was no, called, it's, it's crazy. And and look, Romo's trying to defend them, and he was like, "Oh, Jim, there's only ten guys on the field," you know. And I I understand that, but you have an opportunity there. And, and look, they got the ball back anyway because it was the um, 
that was the fumble out of bounds, right? Yeah. So it it didn't wind up hurting them, but they could have pinned, they could have played the field position game and pinned the Chiefs back at that point. Like it's still a three point game. There's plenty of game left. I just, I, I didn't like the fake punt there. I'm all for being aggressive, but I, I didn't like that there. But, you know, to me, I thought the Bills were a better team coming into this game than the Kansas City Chiefs. But sometimes you just have to have that championship pedigree. And that's what Kansas City has. And Buffalo just does not. And listen, Kansas City, we've we've talked a lot about this offense and how it's just it's not that good this year. It was really good last night. Like that was that looked like some vintage Kansas City offense. Like well, they, Travis they Kelsey woke like themselves. Up. Travis Kelsey yeah. woke up and, and Pacheco was great. But really, um, I think one of the biggest factors that I don't know how many people are, are going to be talking about it was the contributions made by Marcus Valdez-Scantling. Two massive catches for chunk yardage that that were able to extend drives for the Kansas City Chiefs. Those are probably two of the most important catches of the game that no one's going to really talk about. Yep, and Isaiah Pacheco. Uh, you know, this is a guy who... I mean, he's not, uh, he's not super flashy. He's not, um, you know, he, he's, he, he, it's hard to think of him as like a lead back, but man, he's really changed the way this offense looks. Mm-hmm. And I mean, he, he's a, he, he was strong last night for him again. And, and they, they ended up in the second half kind of bullying the bills, the way that the yeah. bills bullied them in the first half. Mm-hmm. So the chiefs now will head to Baltimore for the AFC championship game. The Ravens are three point favorites over the Chiefs, the Ravens got by Houston, uh, you know, on Saturday. It was, wasn't really much of a contest there as Lamar had his way uh, passing. In the second running, half. It, it in the was, second half, exactly, yeah. yeah. Passing, running, whatnot. But your early thoughts on Chiefs catching three at the Ravens. I, I was surprised at the number, to be honest. Um, and I there was a, a bet online opener that I apparently missed, unfortunately, of Baltimore minus two and a half. Uh, I think that was a crazy number. I, there were some three and a halfs early. Um, I said, I, Fezzik and I were talking and he said, this is going to close three more than likely. And I said, really? But at, at Baltimore, it's going to close three. How? And it, I think there's just, I mean, listen, people look, they're the chiefs. It's kind of the championship pedigree. Lamar stinks in the playoffs. That's his pedigree. Patrick Mahomes wins in the playoffs. That's his so people buy into that. To me, like just from a a pure line standpoint or power rating standpoint, I, I don't think it's possible to say that the the Ravens are like if even if this game was on a neutral, I like I I don't think it, I would make it three or it'd be real close to three. I think the Ravens have a good home field as good as any, and and I, I think that's a a short line in my opinion. But mm-hmm. again, mark the market, the early market apparently disagrees with me. Yeah. And uh, to me, it's just, well, if you want to believe in the conspiracy theory about the logo colors, then you're all over the Ravens in this game. But uh, (laughs) I think I think last night kind of, you know, opened my eyes a little bit as to just how you just can't bet against the Chiefs. You just can't. I'm just not going to do it. I'm just not going to I'm not going to bet against Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid. And and as good as I think Baltimore is, uh, you know, we've now seen them go into hostile territory and win a game you know, however they did it. And so I'm not going to go against Kansas City Chiefs. So catching the three, the Chiefs are the play for me right now, early on. Let's talk about the NFC. What we saw yesterday, the Lions, a 31-23 win over Tampa. The Bucks had an opportunity. Baker Mayfield throws an interception on the final drive. Now, it wasn't 
because of the analytical decision on the touchdown prior going for two when they were down 14 Mm -hmm. and missing it, they would have needed a touchdown and a two-point conversion to tie the game. So I'm not saying that, oh, like, they were going to march down the field and tie the game. They still needed to get the two-point conversion. But Baker, who looked so good throughout these, you know, throughout the, the, the season, even in the, play, in the playoffs especially, that was a an ill-advised throw out of Baker and really kind of takes away from what was a, a gutsy Baker performance. Yeah, and that moment is that's what – drove Baker like that's what didn't allow Baker to to be what everybody thought he could be like Baker has always shown flashes of like oh man he's got something to him there and then at the end of a game or in a key moment you look up and you see that the it's a I, I saw it like last night or yesterday afternoon I saw the the thing the Baker pose mm. which is he throws a pick he bends over at the waist and he puts his hands on his helmet like yeah, I can't believe I just did that. And as great of a season as it was, it ended in like the most Baker Mayfield way possible. Like that was a that was a Baker finish. Yeah, unfortunately, I mean, he, he had an incredible game. The, the interception on the opening drive. I'm not even gonna like that was a tipped ball that Mike Evans should have caught, and he tips it up in the air, and it winds up being caught by of all people, yeah. CJ Gardner Johnson, right? Who was talking shit about Baker, but he threw for 349 yards three touchdowns like we talked about how bad the secondary was for the lions i i said one of my favorite plays on the dream pod was baker over the 253 the number closed over 260 and then mike evans 147 yards on eight catches and a touchdown like we knew that he was gonna have a bounce back game everything kind of played out the way i thought it would um they just you know the the bad interception on the final drive and and that was it um now I think that you're always going to go for two there when you're down the two scores. The The numbers have shown that it gives you a better chance to win the game, making yourself down five as opposed, you know, it's we're down six, but didn't matter because he throws no. an interception and they don't even have a chance to score and go for two. Yeah. Like you said, it's, there's a, uh, it, it's the right call. I know people were frustrated. I know people who uh, had Tampa plus, six and a half were extra frustrated I, mm. I, I get it like it's it's sucks um well no they were the happy bets. they went for it they wanted they wanted them to make it <laughs> oh yeah i guess so yeah i would have liked to see them make it but yeah it, it was uh it, it was a, a it's the right decision and I, there are people on twitter like oh I don't, I don't care what the analytics say but i mean it is the right call like percentages like you you can say you know f math all you want but at the end of the day it's math and the math makes sense um it just honestly i like they mentioned this on the broadcast you got to sell that pi call a little bit like evans has to come back for the ball and and just get trucked and Mm -hmm. they get that then you got then you're running a play from the one and Mm -hmm. you're you're likely doing some kind of a quarterback sneak something like that there so um they didn't do themselves any favors the way that they did it but that's life and like i said baker was bound to have a baker ending Mm -hmm. that's just that's the way and by the way I don't think the Lions are that good. No. Like the, I, I mean, well, I was going to say this. It, I was going to say it wound up being like an entertaining, like second half or ending of the game. But I tweeted this out during, like, you know, it was either the during the first half or the third quarter, and I tweeted out 49ers next week by a million. 
And like, yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I, I think there was a lot of people that like maybe didn't understand what I was saying there. What I'm saying is I didn't, I don't think the Bucks or the Lions were any good. And watching that game yesterday, I'm like, oh my God, well, whoever wins this game is going to get blown out by the 49ers. It's lambs to a slaughter. Yeah, it's how it feels. So uh, I'm with you. I, I, I can't, I couldn't look at the Lions this, this coming game. So I, you know, it, it just doesn't feel like they're going to be competitive, particularly outdoors at San Francisco. San Francisco didn't look their sharpest, but got the job done. And I, the more I thought about it, I was like, yeah, they probably weren't going to look their sharpest because they haven't, they didn't really play for, for two weeks. Two weeks, yeah. You know, so, but I, I think next week we'll, we'll see a, a little bit better uh, San Francisco 49ers team. And, and like, like you said, the, watching that game, it was like, these two teams aren't on, they're not on the level, which no, I, we've no. kind of known. Yeah, we, yeah, we've kind of known it's been the 49ers and the rest in the NFC. And like, the, if there was anybody who could have been, it was Dallas and they were, they got exposed as well. Uh, and, and I mean, I, I think Detroit and Dallas are about the same thing. And not, neither one of those teams are on the level of the 49ers. Yep. Well, the spread is seven. The 49ers, a touchdown favorite over the Lions, um, opened up six and a half, moved up, and and we'll see where this one tracks throughout the week. Total is at 51. We know both of these teams can score, but it is the Lions outdoors, not indoors. And it's their first. You know, th- this is something to think about. What if the wind blows on Jared Goff? What's it's, he going to do? <laughs> but this is something to think about. This is the first outdoor game for the Lions since December 10th at Chicago when they lost wow. when they lost 28-13 the since December 10th every game they've played which has been 1 2 3 4 now 6 games all 6 have been indoors so they've played wild. 6 straight games indoors and now they have to go outside grass what is this feel this feels weird there's dirt underneath underneath this. Yeah. So that's something to think about with the performance of the Detroit Lions. And let's talk about the 49ers who, who you know, get by Green Bay 24-21. Jordan Love with an ill-advised pass at the end of the game. The Packers had this. AJ, the Packers had this game. And as someone who lost his best bet on the over in this game, I really wanted the Packers to, you know, score on that final drive or you know, tie the game with a field goal or something. I also lament the missed field goal, the possession before, which would have made it a 24-17 game so that when the 49ers scored, it would have tied the game at 24, not given them a 24-21 lead. But I'll go back to the first three possessions for the Green Bay Packers. They march all the way down the field, much like we talked about the Buffalo Bills. They take the ball first. They go all the way down the field. They settle for a field goal. Second drive. Second drive. They go all the way down to the red zone, and then they get the uh, terrible spot on the tush-push play, which is a turnover on downs. And then in the next drive, they go all the way down the field, and then they have to settle for another field goal. Three drives, only six points, all three in the 49ers red zone. And that's how you won. Don't hit an over, but two, more <laughs> yeah. importantly, more importantly, that's how you lose a game by three, three possessions yeah. inside the red zone to start the game. You only got six points. Yeah, I mean, you're right. Like, that's how that's how you lose games in the NFL. So I, uh, I I'm with you. I, I that's a, bump, a bad beat kind of that, that, that they they lost the way that they did or that the, the over lost the way that it did. 
Um, but you you said something at the beginning that like, it wasn't Jordan Love's best day. Like it, it, this was, I expected him to be better. Like I, I, mm-hmm. I, but you know, and it wasn't Brock Purdy's best day either. Like it, it, obviously the 49ers, their, their offense just didn't look right from the beginning, but yeah, the Packers, I expected as sharp as they'd looked on offense for the last several weeks. I was, I was a little, a uh, little frustrated with what they looked like on, on Sunday. Well, what we have seen so far in this entire postseason and it goes back to even the uh, wild card round, is that we have not had a winning team have their quarterback throw an interception. That's crazy. So every team that has won, going back to the wild card week now, every team that has won, their quarterback has not turned the football over. So you want to win football games, you play clean, you don't turn the football over, And that's how you win, especially in the playoffs. We'll have plenty more on these two games, Championship Sunday, throughout this week. We'll have plenty of time to break down the two games. I mean, we're down to it, AJ. There's only three games left in the NFL season. That's it. It's It's crazy. Only three games left. Uh, Some news and notes around the NFL. The Eagles have uh, got rid of Sean Desai, the uh, defensive coordinator that was stripped of his play-calling duties and handed over to Matt Patricia, this is no surprise. The Eagles defense has been such a major disappointment all season, not just in the second half, but the Eagles firing uh, Sean Desai. And I was thinking about this yesterday because I was, you know, as I was watching the Bills, Leslie Frazier, Nick Sirianni should call up Leslie Frazier, right? Get that it's man. not a bad call. You know, he he took a, he's take, took, a, took some time off. Now you call him up and you say, we want you to be our defensive coordinator. And I think if he is the defensive coordinator for the Philadelphia Eagles, they are right back to being Super Bowl contenders next year. That's entirely possible. The other guy I'd, I'd call is if, and I, you know, I, I don't know if he's, if he's willing to leave a job if it's not for a head coaching job, but I, I still think that Brian Flores being out there is, is wild. Like mm-hmm. I know, mm-hmm. again, I you know he's getting interviews, but that's that's the kind of guy who I think can really turn around a defense. But, uh, yeah, but then again, when you're Sirianni, if you're a guy who you're at your first head coaching job, do you really want another guy who's a viable head coach at, on your staff? Because then it's like, let us catch you slipping. You, you're, you're easy to replace, my friend, easy to replace. So uh, you look at it both ways. Obviously, you want somebody who can who can win you football games. So that's got to be the priority. And that, that defense, I mean, from what they were in the Super Bowl to what they were this season, it's like it didn't even look like the same team. Yeah. Uh, elsewhere in the coaching ranks, uh, the Falcons have talked with, they're talking with everybody, but Ben Johnson, Lions offensive coordinator, they spoke to, and uh, they're requesting a second interview with uh, Jim Harbaugh. So uh, oh. I think it's I think it's pretty obvious that Harbaugh is going to be coaching in the NFL. I, I, I don't think, think so. He, he's taking all these meetings, like, you know, do some recruiting. Like, <laughs> like <laughs> you'd think. Yeah. And man, he's kind of putting Michigan in a bad spot, like because yeah. I don't know when he's going to say, like, "Hey, I'm I'll be back" or "I won't be back." But either way, like, I guess Michigan's got guys on staff that they would they would probably try to hire. But what if what well, if uh, think, Jim Harbaugh says if if Jim Harbaugh takes an NFL job, I think it's already understood that Sharon Moore is going to be the the head coach of Michigan. But what if he's what if he says, "Hey, Sharon, why don't you come with me to Atlanta?" 
<laughs> I don't know. I, it's just it's something to think about. Yeah, uh, that's going to be one to watch. But I think it's pretty. I think that that's it's it's. I think it's like the succession plan is already in place, especially. Yeah, the fact I think that, you're probably right. Especially the fact that how the players responded to him when he was the head coach when Harbaugh was suspended. You know, like they, yeah, they, you know they love that guy. So I think he's gonna. I think like that's why Harbaugh's taking all these interviews is because they already know that they have a plan in place. Because if they didn't, don't you think Michigan would be pressuring him? Be like, hey, listen, you 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 make a decision right now. Like, no more meetings yeah. with the NFL. You're either our coach next year or you're, we're going to part ways and you go do your interviews. But who's got the leverage now? Jim Harbaugh just won a national championship. He's got all yeah, the leverage. Of like, course. He's going to say, what are you going to do? Get rid of me? If I Like, I, I'll do this the way I want to do it. Yeah. Piss off. Like, yeah. Yeah, you know. But I think it's important. Kiss the they, ring I is what Jim would say. Yeah, I think it's important they have a plan in place, which I, I firmly believe they do. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. How's your social battery right now, AJ? I know sometimes I get drained, and it could be easy to ignore your social battery and just spread yourself too thin, you know, especially when it comes to social gatherings and maybe just things you're not in the mood for. Well, do you know the right amount of socializing you need to do to keep yourself balanced? Therapy can give you that self-awareness and you can build basically your routine that reflects what you need personally. Everybody's different in this way. That was a big driver for me when I was in therapy. I got a lot out of it and it's so easy here Give BetterHelp a try if you've said, I don't want to go out of my way to do this. It's all online. It's as convenient as can be, and it's suited to you. It's simple. Just fill out a brief questionnaire, get matched with a licensed therapist, and you can switch at any time for no additional charge. Find your social sweet spot with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Vegas today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Vegas. AJ, it's important to me that the supplements that I take every single day are of the highest quality. And that's why ever since they jumped aboard as a sponsor with us, I've been drinking AG1. Because for AG1, quality isn't just a buzzword. AG1's ingredients are heavily researched for efficacy and quality. And I love that every scoop has prebiotics, probiotics, digestive enzymes for my gut support, B vitamins for energy. It's got the magnesium and ashwagandha for stress support, also testosterone support, vitamin C and zinc to support my immune system. I don't get sick anymore. Well, you're welcome for introducing you to AG1. Yeah, but uh, I mean, this stuff is incredible. And so many people have asked me, are you just reading commercials? No, man. AG1 is actually legit. And there's a reason why I drink it every single day. It just makes taking care of my health so much easier in general. So if you want to replace your multivitamin and more, start with AG1. Try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D3 plus K2 and five free AG1 travel packs with your first subscription at drinkag1.com slash SOV. That's drinkag1.com slash SOV. Check it out. NBA yesterday, how about the Clippers ending the game on a 22-0 run to beat the Nets and cover 125-114? Yeah, think about this pain. You, uh, you you bet the Nets plus 10.5. You're up 11 points. A few minutes left. You're feeling good about things. Like, man, I picked a 11.5-point dog. I'm going to win by uh, – or 10.5-point dog. I'm going to win by double digits probably. Great, ga- great, great game to pick. Mm-hmm. No, friend, it was not. Because <laughs> not only did they not win the game, they, you lost your plus 10.5 ticket. 
like how it that is an unbelievable collapse that's one of the tougher beats i've seen in a long time yeah that oh that's a bad one uh the magic they dominate the heat 105 87 cover as a one point favorite denver a 113 104 win over the wizards Jokic with 42 points and 12 rebounds although washington does cover the 12 and a half points the celtics you know they're still thinking about that one home loss uh but they went on the road beat the rockets 116 107 32 points from Kristaps porzingis houston does cover the 11 and a half though phoenix a 117 110 win over the pacers kevin durant scored 40 points as phoenix covers and the lakers cover the 11 and a half beating the blazers 134 110 d'angelo russell had 34 points and eight boards. Here's your schedule for tonight. The Bucks are at the Pistons and Milwaukee, a 12 and a half point favorite. The Cavs are at the Magic. Orlando, a short one and a half point favorite. Spurs at the Sixers. Philly laying 13 and a half. The Grizzlies at the Raptors. Toronto, seven and a half point favorites. Hornets at the Timberwolves. Minnesota, 15 and a half point favorites. Celtics laying three and a half on the road in Dallas. What do you think about the Mavericks as home dogs? Yeah, I, I think I kind of like the Mavericks as home dogs. I, I haven't been uh, I haven't been wanting to it, it, I I haven't been wanting to bet bet on the Mavericks because I feel like with Luca in and out of the lineup, it's hard to get any kind of consistency. But mm-hmm. you're gonna tell me they're a home dog? It's hard to pass on. Yeah, Bulls are at the Suns. Phoenix laying five and a half. Hawks at the Kings. Sacramento eight and a half point favorites. Yesterday in college hoops, I saw an upset in the top 25. Number 10 Memphis goes on the road and takes an L. 81-79, Tulane knocks off Memphis, storm the court and everything. Uh, Illinois, they no no court storming there. Uh, they, they took care of business at home, 86-63 over Rutgers. The return of Terrence Shannon Jr., 16 points uh, coming off the bench in his return. Florida Atlantic was chasing the entire game. UTSA, not a good team. They are, they're now 7-12 and 12 overall, 1-5 in conference. They were up 15 points in the first half on Florida Atlantic. Looked like they were going to knock off FAU on, you know, on their home floor. And Florida Atlantic mounts a comeback, goes to overtime. Florida Atlantic wins by 9. UTSA, you still covered. I mean, good job is like 16-and-a-half-point dogs. Uh, but it could not get the outright home win. Scott, yes, or Saturday was a uh, a tough day for the system, as we like to call it here, where the uh, you're, you you take the ranked teams that are on the road or ranked teams that are going against an unranked team, but the rank the unranked team is favored, and that's mm-hmm. been very profitable. You have the updated numbers on that, like how 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 it had been going because Baylor. A, a a road dog at Texas. Uh, Texas got the outright win, not the cover. Oklahoma was a road dog at Cincinnati. Oklahoma won outright. And Marquette was a, a road dog at St. John's. And Marquette won outright. So uh, how how's this, that system done overall? And, and obviously, how did this impact the numbers? Well, after eight straight wins for the system – you're right. On Saturday, we had two losses with Cincinnati and St. John's. Um, and, and I guess what Texas, I guess, would have counted yep. on that as well. Oh, but Texas won 
outright, but they did not cover. Did not cover. So so eight straight outright wins. It was seven straight ATS wins, uh, and then the three straight ATS losses and two straight straight up losses. So your updated system for unranked as a favorite over the ranked teams and your home 13 and eight straight up, but 10 and 11 uh, ATS. Still, I like the better system, which is when both teams are ranked because I think it's like, you know, when at least, you know, that like both teams are, are legit. Like sometimes like the unranked team might not be so legit, but I like ranked versus ranked better than the unranked home favorite. And that's still six and two on the year. So we like the lower ranked team at home favored over the higher ranked team, but it's still a nice system overall. It's still profitable. Um, you know, if you're betting straight up, especially because a lot of these spreads are short anyway, the average line is, 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 is under three. So well, there are two games in the top 25. and In fact, they're both top five teams in action uh, on today's slate. North Carolina, number four in the country. They take on Wake Forest, North Carolina, an eight-and-a-half-point home favorite. And Cincinnati, uh, coming off that home loss to Oklahoma, they now travel to a pissed-off Kansas who lost over mm-hmm. the weekend at West Virginia. Kansas now an eight-and-a-half-point home favorite over Cincinnati. One of the big stories around the NHL this weekend was the Islanders firing their head coach, Lane Lambert, as uh, Lou Lamorello, general manager and president. He don't mess around. Lou says, hey, things aren't uh, looking great for us. We're going to make a change. The Islanders, uh, prior to the firing, were 19, 15, and 11 on the season. And yesterday, the Islanders played their first game. They were at home under their new head coach, Hall of Famer Patrick Waugh. And the Islanders, with the new coach boost, get the 3-2 overtime win over the Dallas Stars. So if you're keeping track at home, uh, I think the new coach boost has won all of their first games this year. Wow. Yeah, we've had five coaches fired, uh, Lambert being the most recent one, but uh, DJ Smith got fired um, in Ottawa, Jay Woodcroft in Edmonton, Dean Evison in Minnesota, and Craig Berube in St. Louis. I played the new coach boost on all those teams in their very first games after the the coaching change. I don't know what it means for the Islanders moving forward, but um, everyone better be on their toes. Elsewhere yesterday, Senators beat the Flyers 5-3. It was the Wild 5-2 over the Hurricanes. Red Wings beat the Lightning 2-1. Rangers, a 5-2 win over the Ducks. Maple Leafs, a 3-1 win over the Kraken. Here's your schedule for tonight. The Jets are at the Bruins, and Boston's minus 130. The Golden Knights will be in Jersey to take on the Devils. New Jersey, minus 125. Panthers are at the Predators. This is, uh, you know, Split both ways, minus 110, minus 115, depending on where you look. Uh, The Penguins are at the Coyotes and uh, Pittsburgh, minus 145. Blackhawks at the Canucks. Vancouver, massive favorites, minus 425. Sharks are at the Kings, and the Kings are a heavy favorite, minus 380. In case you're wondering, the next time we will get an opportunity to bet on the Edmonton Oilers will be tomorrow night. The Oilers this weekend winning their 13th straight game setting the record for the most consecutive wins by a Canadian team. So they'll go for 14 straight 
tomorrow night. There is still time to save some money at pregame.com using our promo codes, bacon and eggs. No, that, that's not the promo code, but you got two promo codes to use. Bacon 15, eggs 15. Take advantage. Use them now while you can. You can save $15 off any purchase at pregame.com. Again, bacon 15 or eggs 15. Either coupon code saves you $15 at pregame.com. For AJ Hoffman, I'm Scott Seidenberg. We are straight out of Vegas. AM.